Now, today is our verse for the year message, and our verse for the year has a real purpose. Every year we try and begin the year on the same page. It has uh, the effect of uh, raising our faith, it has the effect of drawing us together, it has the effect of drawing us into the purposes of God, and it keeps us on course, like a rudder or like a sat-nav in a car. We all put the same coordinates in, and the idea is, is that we're moving in the same direction because we want to cooperate with what the Holy Spirit is calling us into. And that's the purpose of having a verse for the year. And it doesn't have to be in January, but because we're creatures of habit, and at this time of year, all of us are kind of taking stock of the year gone by and working out what needs to change and uh, giving ourselves an idea of what the year ahead could look like and ways that we want to move. Uh, it makes sense to do it at this time of year because this is just kind of how we're wired. It's a good time to listen to the Lord and say, okay, we want you to set the agenda for the year ahead. We are living for him. We are his body. He is the head. He is the one that says how the year should pan out. We need to ask him, what would you have us do? What would you have us be this year? How, how do you see change coming into our lives this year? So the verse God has given me for this year, uh, which is just, it's like, a, like a, 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 a point of direction, is this one from 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Let's read it again. For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and and self-control. Now this is Paul writing to Timothy while he's in prison in Rome. Paul, uh, Timothy was a real son of the faith. He was somebody that Paul had been mentoring. And now Paul is getting to this point where he's awaiting execution and he needs to hand over his work, his life's work, to the next generation. And so he's writing to Timothy in the hope that he can pass the baton he's been carrying over to his son in the faith, this young guy, Timothy. And Paul's impact has been huge. His impact to the kingdom has been greater than any that has gone before him other than Jesus. The plan that God has to redeem the earth is well underway and is picking up momentum. And Paul understands what is needed for the gospel to advance and for the transformation to continue and so he gives Timothy insight into what is needed. Four things. Four things. Without which there can be no impact. There can be no advance. If Timothy wants to use his life to serve the Lord and make real difference, he will need these four things. And the first one is fearlessness. Fearlessness. Then power. Then love. Then self-discipline. Fearlessness power, love, and self-discipline. And do you know what? I am just so grateful that Paul didn't write to Timothy and say, now, these are the four things you've got to work on. He didn't say, try to stop being so fearful, Timothy. You're always terrified. He didn't say, get some more power, for goodness sake. You lack gravitas in your personality. He didn't say, by the way, you're not very loving. You need to find a way to love people better. 
And for goodness sake, can you manage your addictions and your bad habits? Get some self-discipline and stop giving in to your weaknesses. That is not in the Word of God. Hallelujah. <laughs> That's not how God speaks, and it's not what Paul is saying. We may speak to ourselves like that sometimes, but that be better, try harder stuff doesn't actually come from God. No, this verse says that God has given you, gifted you, with a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. So we're not talking about what Timothy can do. We're not talking about who Timothy is or what he's like. We're talking about the spirit that God has given Timothy as a gift. Why don't you turn to 2 Timothy and chapter 1? Because I want to go back a couple of verses to verse 5. And it says this. Remember your genuine faith, Timothy. For you share the faith that, that first filled your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know that same faith continues strong in you. That's why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift God gave you when I laid my hands upon you. This idea that this, this phrase of laying my hands upon you and the gift that is imparted as, as Paul laid his hands upon Timothy and prayed for him is a clear reference to the imparting of the Holy Spirit. Keep your finger there and turn to Acts and chapter 8. And we're going to go from verse 14 onwards. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that this, this is another Simon, uh, saw that the Spirit was given the apostles, uh, when the apostles laid their hands upon people, he offered them money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands upon people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money be... Sorry, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon exclaimed, that these terrible things you said won't happen to me. After, te after testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. And they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. How was the Holy Spirit imparted? With Peter and John. It was by the laying on of hands. This is something that they'd seen Jesus do. This was modelled by Jesus all the time. Where Jesus laid his hands on people 
And the Holy Spirit moved in great power and was imparted to people in Jesus' ministry. And Peter and John had taken up this baton from, from Jesus. And this was the practice of the early church. And this is the practice that we have now. When we ask the Holy Spirit to come, when we lay our hands upon people, God, in a very special way, moves and fills people with the power of his Holy Spirit. It's amazing. It still amazes me every time we do it. And the power of it. But this is what... This is what Paul is referring to when he writes to Timothy, of the gift that was imparted to Timothy when Paul laid his hands upon him. So Paul is saying here, the gift of God, the Holy Spirit that was given to you, you already have him at work in, in you. He is not a spirit of fear, etc. Does that make sense? So Paul is not talking about Timothy. I just want to get this absolutely clear. He's talking about the strength of the Holy Spirit. And then saying to Timothy, because you carry the Spirit of God, you have access to His nature and you can learn to walk in His fearless and His power and His love and His self-discipline. Are you with me? He's saying, don't try to go it alone. Your intention should be to relate everything back to the Lord and to seek the moving of the Holy Spirit in all things. Without him, Paul knows that Timothy is not going to make it. He doesn't want to hand over this enormous ministry and this responsibility to see impact right across the known world to somebody who is not going to rely upon the Holy Spirit. Timothy's willingness to walk by the Spirit and not his own strength is crucial. Everything hangs on it. I believe this is maybe a word for some of you today. Have you forgotten the gift of God in your life? You know the Lord is for you, but in practice you try to sort things out yourself. You need to get into the habit of stopping and praying again, to surrender your struggles to him, to seek his grace moment to moment so that the mountains of your life do begin to move. Let's just pause and pray. Lord, I believe this is a word for a few of us. Lord, that we know that your spirit is within us. We know you're there to help. We know that you're there and you love to be involved. We know that there is power in you, but yet we fail to come to you and ask. We fail to open those areas of our lives to you. And so, Lord Jesus, I want to ask that we would get back into the habit of stopping and praying and saying, God, would you come again, Lord? Lord, would you change our habit this year? Lord, we repent of our self-sufficiency. Lord, would you give us an alert in our spirits every time we should be turning to you and not just going alone. Remind us, just like Paul is doing to Timothy here in this letter, remind us that we have you as a gift dwelling in our hearts and at any given moment we can turn to you and draw strength. Lord, we need your help. Amen. So this verse for the year has four main elements. He imparts supernatural courage, supernatural power, supernatural love, and supernatural self-discipline into your life. So let's look at those in turn. Firstly, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. 
The Holy Spirit is not a spirit of fear and timidity. What was the first response of the followers of Jesus after the Spirit was poured out at Pentecost? It was courage. It was boldness. These people who were terrified and hiding in a room suddenly went on the rooftops and started shouting about their faith, knowing that there would be consequences. It was courage. The Holy Spirit will not make you feel intimidated. That's what the enemy loves to give us. If you're feeling anxious and fearful, it is not God doing that to you. It can be illness. It can be demonic pressure. It's usually just a really bad habit or mindset, actually. But it's not from the Lord. That's for sure. God does not give you fear. I want to encourage you this year to identify fear in your life and call it out. Bring it out into the light of the Holy Spirit. You do this in prayer. You just do this in prayer in reflection in your own life. When you, when you ask God to show you your areas of fear and anxiety, He will. He'll point them out to you. And it's an opportunity then to bring them out into the presence of God in prayer and ask the Holy Spirit to replace that fear with his courage. And he does do this. It's amazing. He makes us fearless. He makes us bold and courageous. Often this is the first thing that people experience when they are filled with the Spirit for the first time. They notice that their fears have gone. I've seen this again and again and again. The Alpha Holy Spirit Day... And other times where people will just say, okay, I'm open to God. I'm open to what God wants to do in my life. And we pray that God will give them an encounter with his Holy Spirit and fill them with the Spirit. Sometimes it comes following baptism and times like that when people are particularly open to God. One of the first things that people often notice is that their fear is gone. Things that they used to be really worried about, they're no longer worried about because there is a sense that God is walking with them now. And things change. You approach life in a completely different way. And you also find there's a boldness to speak up for things that before you felt shut down about. There's a courage to tell people about your faith. There's a courage to stand up for what you believe in. It's this same spirit that was poured out at Pentecost. But that boldness isn't just for the first few months of faith, amen? It's not just for the newbies. When we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we can face our challenges in a completely different way and attempt things that we wouldn't dream of trying without the courage of the Lord at work within us. Paul himself looks at his own life and calling and says, who on earth is adequate for this task? 2 Corinthians 2.16. And I feel like that continually. I look at all that needs to be done and the brokenness of society and I say, God, I can't even begin to do anything about this. God, I... I can't. And God listens and he comes back to me, not with a, well, you've got to try harder. He comes back to me with an acknowledgement that, no, I can't do it, but he's given me the gift of his Holy Spirit. That it's his job to work with all the people that I'm working with and it's his job to affect change in society. And he's given me the privilege of joining in. That takes a huge pressure off. It's such a comfort to me. And it was such a comfort to Paul. And it's what Paul was trying to say to Timothy. Is don't try and carry this on your own. You will buckle under the fear of it all. But God gives you courage. Because he, 
he, he promises you that he's not going to let you do any of it alone. And with him, you can try anything. You can attempt great things. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. Of power. Where do you sit with the power of God right now? In the Greek, this word power is dunamis. It's where we get the, the, the term dynamite from, the name dynamite. Same root, dunamis. It's a great way to understand the power of God. It's the difference between trying to mine with a hammer and chisel and trying to mine with dynamite. It can be exhausting from chipping away at your problems with all your might. And maybe it's time to switch to God's dynamite. Maybe it's time to let God do what our, we can't do in our own strength. How much do we need the power of God? To transform situations, to heal our bodies, to heal our relationships, our land. It's a no-brainer. It really is. Can you heal what is broken or convict people of their sin? Can you cause people to turn and seek forgiveness? And to make peace with one another and with the Lord. Can you do that? Can you restore the teenager's self-esteem? Can you empower the heroin user to make it through withdrawals? Can you protect your little ones from the mess of the world and release them as mighty men and women of God? Can you force the estranged adult son or daughter to have a change of heart and to call home? Can you speak to the deep places of the heart and birth faith in a soul? Can we give the 95% of people in our area who don't express faith in God such a revelation of Jesus that they can't help but to turn and to run home to the Lord? Can you do any of that? Only in the power of God can we do these things, right? Our God is a lion. He's the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and he's fighting our battles. That's what we just sang earlier today. That's who he is. Addicts get set free. Teens get raised up. Families get restored. Dignity restored. Widespread repentance and faith. A new moral compass for our country. I believe God wants to stir up our hunger for his power again this year. We need the power of God. Come Holy Spirit. Come power of God. It needs to be our main prayer this year. We can't even begin to scratch the surface of what is needed. We need the power of God. We need the dynamite of the Holy Spirit. I believe God wants to stir up that hunger for his power this year. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love. Thank goodness the Holy Spirit in you and me is a spirit of love as well as power. Amen? Power without love is destructive, isn't it? But love poured out with power is so beautiful. Jesus walked with great power. But his demonstrations of power were always demonstrations of the Father's love. Always. The two of them were never, ever separate. Power and love running together, always. 
And I believe the Lord wants to increase the love this year. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of love. He can motivate us to deny ourselves and to reach out and to bless others even when we don't feel like it. So you, are you interested in a love upgrade this year? Do you ever feel short of love for people? No? <laughs> okay, it's just me. <laughs> just me who runs out of love. Why am I the pastor then? That's what I want to know. <laughs> if it's just me. <sighs> I want to suggest that should anyone run out of grace for someone, <laughs> then you can ask God for it. You can ask God for the grace that you don't have. I've found that the Spirit of God is a bottomless supply of love. He can give the ability to keep going even when your natural resources run dry. Thank God. I'm excited in my spirit for the ways that God is going to move and to move us to love people with His love this year. You need the love of the Saviour to be flowing through your life. None of us have got hearts big enough for what God has planned. We need the love that took Jesus to Calvary. We need that love that just jumps over every barrier to win the person because we see them as precious before us. Especially the ones that everybody else sees as unworthy. Especially the ones that press your buttons and get under your skin. That upset you that cause you to want to recoil and to run and to leave them to their own devices, those are the ones that God wants to reach more than any other. And he's not going to use anyone else to do it. We need the love of God that is way beyond our own capacity to be his representatives in the way he's calling us to be in 2018. God has given us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and of love, and of self-discipline. Some translations render this self-control or a sound mind. The Greek word here is uh, sophronismos. Sophronismos. There are varying shades of meaning to this word. Commentators have suggested it can mean uh, sober discretion. Do you need some of that? Prudence. To be well-balanced. To see things in a good perspective or not subject to flights of fancy. I quite like that one. Are you subject to flights of fancy? You can see how either self-discipline or to be of a sound mind can fit there. There are two ways of expressing the same thing. Of a person who has found stability and strength and learned to live with purpose and free from their destructive life patterns. Does that sound good? How many of you are wonderfully, naturally self-disciplined? Okay, I'm thinking we need this one. Not just me this time. Has anyone ever gone on a diet? How, how did that work out? You, you normally start with some positive... Uh, uh, idea, well I'm just going to do this for six months and see how it goes and then two weeks later, maybe two weeks anyone ever done uh, a Bible in a year, one year plan it's easier in the first week of January than it is in June, isn't it? 
Sometimes there's some catching up to do. I've got three months to catch up to stay on track. <laughs> oh dear. Don't even try in December. It takes self-discipline to avoid the destructive things and to do the important things, doesn't it? We each need to employ self-discipline in different ways. For some of us, it's diet or alcohol intake. For others, it's a struggle for a prayer or Bible study time. For some, it's managing our relationship with our smartphones or tablets or smart TVs. It can be anything. You can, you can write your own addiction here. When I was a kid, I remember being told that to be a follower of Jesus was a bit like being a fish swimming upstream. That you're going to have to swim against the tide. And when I was a kid, it didn't really mean much to me. I didn't really engage with that very much. Now, do I understand? Yes, I do. Because the whole of culture and society and, my, and flesh is moving in the opposite direction of God's holiness and wholeness and health and intimacy with Jesus. Everything is moving in the opposite direction. If we do nothing and we go along with whatever is on offer, we find ourselves weak and compromised and estranged from God. Somewhere, we end up washed up downstream, miles away from where God has called us to be. And that's not for you or for me. We have what we need to follow hard after Jesus against the odds and to keep moving towards our God-given destinies and calling. We have what we need already within us. But we need to live open to the Holy Spirit. We need to swap our weak self-discipline for his supernatural self-discipline moment to moment. Only through walking with him can we find the freedom that our souls long for. I'm going to teach a session on this in a few weeks' time. But for now, I just want to encourage us. I just want to encourage us that we are not alone. We have this precious gift. We have the Holy Spirit right now, where you are, sat in the chair. You have the Spirit that Jesus walked in, in its fullness. You have the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in you by the power of the Holy Spirit. All you've got to do is stir it up. All you've got to do is stir up that gift that God has given you. Paul says to Timothy in the preceding verse, before this verse for the year, he said, the gift that was imparted to you when I laid my hands upon you, stir up that gift that is within you. Stir up that gift. It's a bit like stirring the embers of a fire until the fire roars into life again. Rather than focusing on our weaknesses, Rather than being lost in our fears, focus on him. Focus on the gift that God has given us and spend some time rejoicing in this gift, this incredible gift that God has imparted to each of us. Rejoicing and aligning our lives with his calling. It does wonders for your confidence. 
if you spend a little bit of time just rejoicing in the gift of the Holy Spirit as a discipline, it does wonders for your confidence. It does wonders for your strength. It does wonders for your faith levels. And it releases the activity of the Holy Spirit into your lives. So if you feel like you're full of fear, stir up the Holy Spirit. If you feel like you're lacking in power, stir it up in prayer. If you feel like you're lacking in love, stir it up in prayer. If you feel like you're lacking in self-discipline, stir it up in prayer in your inner man. Let the flame roar within you and feel the grace of God within you again because you need him. You can't go it alone. I believe in 2018... We're going to have a year of Holy Spirit courage and power and love and self-discipline. And I want to invite all of you to join me in praying that in for us as a church community. It's not just a nice idea. This is something we need to relate to God about. But I believe this is a gift for each and every one of us to walk in if we choose it and if we go after it.